Michael Vonnen. Welcome to the Tolkien Lore Channel. I'm the Tolkien Geek, and in this episode, I'm going to talk about the lay of Outru and Itrun. And I'm just pretending I know how to pronounce that. I really don't. Uh, for those of you who saw my Christmas 2 2016 video, you know that this is one of the things that I got for Christmas, and I am now at the point where I can kind of review it and give a video on it. So it's definitely an interesting little book. It's essentially about a Breton, or that's the adjective for the area in France known as Brittany, uh, folk tale about a nasty fairy or Corrigan, depending on which word you want to use. So there's also a couple of other poems in it, and I'll talk about those too. Uh, but that being said, let's go ahead and just get into the video because there's not much more to say in the way of introduction. So let's go. So the main attraction in the Lay of Outru and Itrun is, of course, the poem of that title, which is Tolkien's own development of a much older poem that had been kind of reproduced by others in French and uh, Breton. And basically, it, it's about a couple, a lord and lady, which is what Outru and Itrun mean. They're just the Breton words for lord and lady, um, who don't have a child and really want a child really badly. So eventually they do end up having a child, and depending on whether you read Tolkien's more developed version or the older version, which is also reproduced uh, in the book, which he actually wrote, as he didn't originally write it, of course, but it was more or less just a translation of his, whereas the, the later one is the same thing, but with much more story development. In the older version, the Lord and Lady just happened to have a baby, finally, after waiting a long time. In the newer version of the story, they, well, I say they, the, the Lord goes off into the woods looking for a fairy to give him some kind of magic potion so that they can actually have the baby. And another word for the fairy in the story is a corrigan. It's an older, uh, non-English word for a fairy. So... Anyway, one way or the other, the Lord and Lady do end up having a baby. When the baby is had, the Lord is really happy, and he basically tells his wife, if there's anything else in the world that you want, you know, just name it, and I'll get it for you because I'm so happy I'm going to do anything that you ask. The Lady basically says, well, I don't want you to leave my side because, you know, this is a really happy moment for me too, but I do have this really weird hankering for venison from the forest and clear water from four streams. So anybody who's familiar with this type of story knows where this is going immediately, of course. And the Lord goes off and hunts for a deer. He runs into a white deer, which of course also is a huge indicator that this can't go well, or at least it can't go normally, because white, white deer and white stags are always precursors to magical happenings. But anyway, he follows this white deer far into the forest, loses it, and gets into a part of the forest where the trees are so thick you can't even see the sky, runs into a really old hag who, as we know, is the same Corrigan or fairy from the earlier part of the story in Tolkien's updated version. But of course, in the older version of the poem, this is the first time you run into her. Uh, and he, not seeing her at first, takes a drink out of the nearby stream because he's been chasing this deer for a long time. And suddenly 
she says something or he notices her, but either way the conversation gets started and she basically tells him, you know, you have to stay with me and, and marry me, which in the updated version, of course, is kind of the price that he has to pay for the potion that she gave him earlier. Because in the updated version of the story, when he offers her gold in exchange, she says, don't give me anything yet because some people, you know, end up, these things don't work and then they get mad because I gave them something for something and then they didn't really get anything out of the deal. So we'll deal with my fee if it works. Well, in, in this version of the story, that's the fee. Uh, in the older version, of course, she's just a malevolent fairy who wants him to stick around. So once that happens, the Lord, of course, being the upstanding gentleman that he is, says, no, I'm already married, I'm going to leave. She threatens to basically turn him to stone on the spot, preventing him from leaving. And he says, nope, I'm gonna walk out of here she says, okay, then you're going to die in three days. And he says, nope, I will die when it pleases God. Uh, anyway, the, the exchange goes back and forth. He eventually does walk out and leave, gets back to his home without having brought the deer or the water. Couldn't, couldn't manage that because of the turn of events. He gets back to his castle, and he's so tired that he basically falls asleep in a in a building that's not his own bedroom and then he also realizes that he has taken sick or is otherwise dying and so he tells his servants basically that he's going to die in three days and they're not sure if it's just like a fever dream or something else but they keep his return hidden from the lady and he does eventually die on the third day. The lady doesn't realize what this is, but she sees that there's a funeral going on. She ends up also going to church on the grounds that she needs to do some things that are related to the birth of the baby. And then she finds out, of course, who it is that's died. They they try to pass it off as somebody who just happened to, to come in the night and that died and she, of course, finds this odd because why is a total stranger getting this really fantastic funeral uh, in, our, in our home? But she, of course, finally realizes what it is. And the story basically ends with her dying as well out of grief. And depending on, again, the older or the newer version of the story that Tolkien writes, in the old story, it just kind of ends there on the sad note of, you know, they had kids and the kids grew up because they actually had twins. I forgot to mention that, a boy and a girl. Uh, the twins eventually grew up, but they didn't get to see it, so they didn't really get to experience what they wanted. But the newer version that he writes kind of draws a contrast in addition to just having the bad ending and points out that, you know, I, I don't remember exactly the phraseology it uses, but it was something along the lines of, you know, kind of contrasting the situation they were in with the Virgin Mary and pointing out the fact that it doesn't explicitly say this, but you know the idea that they're getting at is, you know, don't go for, you know, these type of means to achieve your ends because it'll it'll bite you in the end and you should really just focus on being holy because, of course, Tolkien is inserting kind of his Catholic worldview into the poem in the updated version. So that's the basic story of Altru and Itrun. Uh, in the next segment, I'll cover the 
other story that's the other poem that's in here, which is much shorter and totally unrelated. And then I'll kind of wrap up by talking a little bit about some of the interesting bits other than just the stories themselves. So the second or third poem, depending on how you count it, uh, is basically a, another story about a fairy or a corrigan, but this one is a totally different one and a totally different story. This story is about what is a fairly common theme in a lot of fairy stories from Europe, which is a changeling idea. So a lot of fairy stories involve a um, some kind of fairy world creature bringing their own child and replacing it and t taking a human child, swapping them out. So in this story, that's what happens, and the mother is of course distraught she's like where's my baby because this i'm pretty sure is not my baby uh you get the idea that she doesn't know 100 percent that it's not her baby but that she's pretty darn sure uh and she ends up praying to the virgin mary and basically trying to seek counsel for how do i resolve this issue and then the virgin mary in answer to her prayer basically tells her you know do this, that, and the other, and it's a weird ritual type thing uh, whose details I don't recall in full, but it, it that's kind of unimportant. But if you do that, then the the fairy or Corrigan changeling will have to reveal that it is a changeling, and then you can kind of use that against it. And so she does this and ends up uh, getting the, the changeling to reveal itself as what it is, and then as a result ends up getting her own child back. And there's earlier versions of this story that Tolkien worked on as well, and the story elements do change a little bit between the two. So, I mean, you get um, the ritual slightly changes. Uh, there, there's a couple of different things, but nothing... No, there's not a big, huge change in the story like in the the, the main poem where the events that lead up to the tragedy are caused by the, the main character's own doing. It's nothing quite that significant. So anyway, that's that's kind of the other small poem in there. And that's it's an interesting addition because it, it definitely highlights kind of the idea that's already present in the main poem, which is fairy world is dangerous. You know, you, you don't you don't want to mess with these things if you can avoid it. So that's kind of where I'm going to go in the next segment, along with a few other points. But uh, that's that's the other poem. There's a little bit more to it than that. I'm just kind of giving a brief overview because I don't want to spoil all the detail for anybody who wants to read it. But now let's talk about some of the more interesting side issues about both of these stories and the book as a whole. So, of course, I've already mentioned the fact that Tolkien kind of updated the outro and Itrun story, and he also made some changes to the older I mean, the other poem about the changeling. And one of the interesting things about this book is it actually presents you with different older versions of Tolkien's writing on both of these stories. So you can kind of contrast and compare, you know, look at them side by side. He also, I'm sorry, she, the Berlin Flieger, Flieger uh, still not sure how to pronounce her name, um, presents some of the other versions of the poem that have been published by other people, including in some of the original languages and in French. So you can even kind of compare a little bit the the flavor of the poem 
you know, even if you don't know Breton or French, you can get the idea of what the poem sounds like in a different language, which part of the point of that is is to highlight one of Tolkien's own theories, which is that myth and language are inextricably linked to the point that you can't really have one without the other, and they both influence each other enormously. And you can kind of see that in the in the way that they present the different versions because the different translations and the different um the way they read in the different languages you can tell there's a little bit of a different flavor you know in how they read and just in the way that the the events are presented so i mean you get different people translating them different ways and you can tell there's a little bit of a different background perspective going on so i mean tolkien of course has a very Catholic worldview, and so his the way he views the story is different than somebody who's just kind of recreating an old kind of pagan folklore story about a Celtic um, corrigan or fairy. So it's really interesting to compare and contrast those different things. So that's one element of the book that, I, that is interesting other than just the stories themselves. Another interesting thing is this is one of the few stories that are published by Tolkien that really deal with like an old folklore fairy as fairy story. There's very few stories that Tolkien wrote that are about fairy and even fewer that are just about, you know, old folklore fairy as opposed to his own inventions. I mean, you could say that the Silmarillion and Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit are in some sense all about fairy in the sense that his elves are essentially a, a fairy element, but there's almost nothing out there where he reproduces or recreates something that's old and fairy that, you know, was pre-existing. He's done Beowulf, he's done Sir Gawain and the Green Knight, he's done, you know, various different things, but very few of them are about fairies. Sir Gawain and the Green Knight kind of is, Beowulf really isn't. That's a different, you know, it's not really fairy except in the broad sense that it's a fantasy story. Um, and so it's, it's interesting because you get an idea of his view of fairy, which of course, uh, there's a quote by Tolkien, and I think it's in On Fairy Stories, but he basically says something like, a safe fairy world is untrue in all worlds. There's no such thing as a safe fairy realm. It's always dangerous, and that's why he calls it the Perilous Realm, which is the title of one of the um, compilations where you can find some of his writings that kind of fit within that genre. So you get that impression in here for sure, because the Corrigan in, in all the different poems in here, of course, is a dangerous, often malevolent entity with powers that are not to be meddled with. So you definitely get that, and it also kind of gives you a little bit of an additional perspective for some of the things that he did write that were very fairy-centric, like the uh, Smith of Wooden Major, which I've talked about in a previous video, which I'll link below. Um, the Smith of Wooden Major is very much about fairy. It's, a, it's not malevolent fairy in the way that Outru and Etrune is about a malevolent fairy, because uh, the Smith, he enters the world of fairy, and the fairies there are all very nice and whatever, and they've the real point of the story is that the fairy realm has been forgotten, and that that's a sad thing. Whereas here, the fairies are very malevolent. But you do get the idea, even in Smith of Wooden Major, that fairy is not something that you just wander into without consequences. 
So you get that same idea just in a different a different tone. So it's it's interesting to read this and then look at some of the other things that Tolkien has wrote that are more explicitly fairy-like and to really get that you know more complete view more or less of what his different thoughts on the world of fairy are and how you know older fairy stories influenced him and that sort of thing. So it's really interesting even if you don't you know the story here obviously is completely unconnected to Middle Earth, but it does give you that little extra perspective on some of the things that he wrote because it, you know, it kind of gives you a little better idea of where he was coming from, his influences, how he kind of developed his ideas on, you know, his own fiction. So it's definitely worth picking up and reading. The poetry in it is actually very good. I mean, he, you can tell because it, it shows different versions of Tolkien's writing, how he, you know, amended his own writing multiple times to get better and better poetry out of it. And so it ends up being like most things that he did, you know, he was, he had a huge perfectionist streak. It ends up being very well written, especially the, the main poem, which is the one that he worked on most. So it's, it's a really interesting read. It's a really enjoyable read. If you like rhyming poetry, because that's, that's the style it's in is rhyming poetry. And each poem is kind of in a different rhyming pattern. So, I mean, they're, it's not like you're just rhyming couplets all the way down. So anyway, it's very much worth picking up. I hope you do pick it up. It's worth reading. And it's frankly just beautiful. I mean, that's that's Tolkien's drawing right there. They're, Tolkien's got a lot of really good artwork. So pick it up. Hope you enjoy it. So that's the Lay of Altrun Itrun. If you enjoyed this, then please like and subscribe. You please also share. If you don't want to subscribe to me on YouTube, then you can also follow me at Twitter at JRRTLore. And until next time, I'm the Tolkien Geek signing out for the Tolkien Lore channel. Namariye.